Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza. And on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with our favorite naturopathic doctor, Dr. Cowan. He works with high-performance individuals, elite athletes, and basically gets you in tip-top shape. He's definitely, I feel, had a benefit, a huge benefit on my life and the way I feel and my energy levels throughout the day. So if you are trying to figure out what to do with your body and yourself to get the most out of every day, I would highly consider listening to this particular episode. We get into blood work and why we look at each other's blood, not each other's, we don't look at each other's blood work, why he looks at my blood work and Nick's blood work, the things that he looks for. We talk about the carnivore diet. We talk about, this is a personal thing. We talk about my testosterone levels. We talk about the supplements that perhaps we should all consider taking. He works with UFC fighters, hockey players, Olympians. Um, he works with the NHL team, the uh, Arizona Coyotes. So you're basically getting access to someone through the podcast here that has a lot of experience, get, experience getting the most out of each and every one of us. It's always a pleasure to to sit down and chat with them. And if you are listening to this and you are thinking about diving into the real estate market, but you just cannot understand what is going on with these prices, one of the things that we look at to help make sense of all the noise are the fundamentals. And the particular fundamental that I'm talking to you about today is the population growth in this area. We have a brand new report. It's the 2022 Ontario Population Explosion Report. You can get access to that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. In this report, we share all the data around interprovincial migration, immigration numbers, the foreign student population growth since 2015, all of which is helping drive demand for the limited supply of properties we have in this area. Never mind low interest rates and all the monetary policy stuff that we can talk about. Sheerly, sheerly? can't speak in today's intro. Surely the demand, the demand itself is really driving a lot of, uh, a lot of demand in the real estate market. You're going to have to just let me get away with that intro there. Um, we're going to stick with it. And, uh, and that's it. You can get that population report at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We're going to need to see this. Okay, we are live with Dr. Cowan and uh, my brother, Nick Carazza. And yeah, I was trying to fix the equipment while you were laughing at me. And that's what I've been doing. That's why we're starting half an hour late. And by the way, just so everybody knows, this is Dr. Cowan's second attempt at this podcast because the first attempt, we just recorded video. That's so weird when you think about it. The first one, we just got video, no audio. And on this one, the... the uh, the video is not working. Is the audio working? The audio, I'm, I have a backup even. The audio audio is working. I have two devices recording this on, on the I just remember, right Tom, I, I was sitting in my office and, and I just hear just a, a large swear word. I don't have to swear, you know, coming out. And I'm like, why? What happened? He's like, I don't think I got the audio from the podcast. I'm yeah. Like, oh, we man. could just lip. <laughs> we'd have to read your lips. So anyway, Dr. Cowan, thanks for coming back. No worries. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, bring that mic nice and close. Okay. Um, but wait, wait, what were you guys just talking about with the, the West Side Bar? Why, why were you talking about West Side Barbell? Those are those guys out of where? Ohio? We were just talking about weight, about weightlifting and stuff. Yeah, those are the guys out of Ohio. And, and they're uh, just the way they train for just max strength. Mm -hmm. uh, from my understanding of them is 
there's very few gyms that train like that. They're like mm-hmm. next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So few reps, but like max weight yeah. and then giving lots of time for your nervous system to repair. So they're always going for one rep max every day. I think like certain programs, they do that. I mean, I'm not a, you know, a training expert, but I think they do like blocks of like one, one rep max Yeah, cause where you come in and do like a 10, 15 minute workout. Yeah. Cause how it came up is I was, I, we were talking about weightlifting. I was, uh, and I was saying, I, I was, I'm surprised at how much it has to do with your nervous system. Because when you go heavy, it's like if you haven't gone heavy in a while, even though the strength could still be there, even if you haven't lifted just a few weeks. So the muscles really are still strong if you've been using them. But if you're just not used to that weight, either overhead or on your back or whatever it is, it's the nervous system is just like, holy, this thing feels heavy. But when you do it on a regular basis, the nervous system gets used to it. Mm -hmm. It's just, and even when you go, you know, when you do a lot of deadlifts or a really heavy deadlift, like your nervous system is shot. Like it really is strenuous on it. So I, I just... I didn't really piece that together. I mean, only maybe a couple of years ago, I really pieced that together. I didn't know for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like your muscles can handle it. It's like the weak point is going to be your ligaments and joints and then nervous system. Why? Wow, what's happening with it? Because I, I I know that too. When I lift and I don't lift nearly as heavily heavy as Nick, but I can actually hear like a ringing in my ear sometimes. And I always mm-hmm. think, oh, I'm hearing my nervous system because my nervous system is just like on fire. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be driving home and I hear like just that like a, like a, tinging noise like a squeaky t- you know, I, don't, I, don't, really- I don't know if that's good or not no no i always have had this throughout my life uh, okay. i've had this on and off but definitely okay. after uh, lifting weights i get that even more tinnitus it's, is that what's called tinnitus oh, okay yeah yeah um bringing in the ears yeah and sometimes people will feel it after the workout like you'll feel nauseous or sick mm-hmm. or, or not that endorphin rush and that's a sign that you've overloaded your nervous system too much so your nervous system is just getting that much amount of input is that what it is it's it's ha- handling too much stimulus yeah. Where yeah. it's just saying stop. Well, I mean, for you to lift weights, it's your brain telling your muscles and firing from your nervous system to activate the muscles to move. Right. So if you overtax that system, like you're lifting too heavy, then that it just fries the nervous system. It's just, you can't keep lifting like that. Like that's your, and the, the nervous breaks, system, the is, is there a, a set time where after you lift heavy, the nervous system is uh, needs to recover or is that just highly dependent on your own sleep, your own nutrition, and everyone's going to be unique? Or is it like a general rule of thumb? I think it depends on how heavy how heavy you're lifting. Like I think those guys at Westside Barbell do like once a week like that. One, like one workout a week, one rep max. Uh, and then do it the next week. Oh, wow. Okay. I've seen some videos from, from <laughs> like when they live there. They're, I mean, you're talking next level lifts. I mean, and I guess, it, you know, there's, there's people of all of all caliber that go there mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking the guys that, you know, you've seen squat 800, 900 thousand pounds, their nose is bleeding after. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah, like it's, it's just, uh, yeah. What, what, but I'm curious, does it, does your, does your nervous system respond differently to a heavy weight? Because when you said what, that's where you can get sick and stuff like that, is it, does it respond differently to a heavy weight versus like a, a really intensive cardio workout? Because I'm thinking of the people that do um, like a hard CrossFit workout or something, or just a really intense kind of high, inten- uh, high intensity, short, um, mm. uh, maybe like an interval workout. And then at the end, you know, five minutes later, they're like, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And then they, th- they actually get sick and they vomit afterwards. Is it the same type of stimulus or no? Different, right? Because the CrossFit's got more of the cardio element yeah. with it as well versus just a straight nervous system load. The CrossFit has both, right? It's got the... But that is the nervous component. system that still causes that overload or? Yeah, I think it's just, um, I don't know if it's nervous system, but nervous system burnout is like you feel flat, you feel tired, you feel like nauseous. Yeah, okay. Whereas that is like, I think you're thinking of CrossFit workout that's so intense that you're throwing up afterwards. Like yeah. That kind of, yeah. yeah, I think it's still, it's still affecting nervous system, but I think it's a different feeling. Okay. Yeah, it's slightly. a different mm-hmm. feeling, yeah. Yeah. 
I was going to share that I think I almost passed away at the gym once on that one workout where I didn't recover for like, I couldn't speak English for like 20 minutes. I couldn't even speak. I couldn't talk. Yeah. It was Yeah, great. I think somebody either called me or texted me and said, your brother might be in danger right now. He might not. But all we did was doing this. they had a boxing ring in the gym. I literally crawled into the boxing ring and then that wasn't comfortable. So then I crawled to the toilet at the washroom and I was kind of just like hugging the toilet, kind of like you'd be drunk. But then I wasn't throwing up. And then I went into the lobby of the gym and just sat there and someone finally just brought me electrolytes. And they gave me some electrolytes and it, it, it took a while, I guess, for that to hit my bloodstream, 10 or 15 minutes, but it finally started to help. But I was in a really bad place. Yeah. I think they thought I might've had, what's that thing that sometimes you get from CrossFit people work out to? Rapido or something. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. someone was like, holy yeah. crap, are we calling the ambulance? Cause he's, he's having this. It was a really sketchy situation. I just pushed myself too hard. The you know what it was? It was partly it was partly Ruben's fault. I know he's not here to defend himself because he was yelling in my ear during this workout. <laughs> he was yelling in my ear, "Do it for your kids! Do it for your kids!" And I just remember, ah, like to, just totally <laughs> total stupidity. Yeah, just total stupidity. <laughs> the worst experience I ever had is I took some pre-workout, which I don't normally take, mm-hmm. and you know how caffeine affects me. Like caffeine gets me cranked, and I usually crash hard off of it, mm-hmm. and um, so I did this. It was during the. It was one of these CrossFit open workouts. And I was doing the workout and I was doing quite well. And then literally the last 45 seconds, I just completely like crashed. Like I I failed like a 95 pound lift. Like I couldn't, I just, you know, and then it was, I don't know if it was, it was that pre-workout thing. I I was, I I was like had a pasty mouth or something and it just made me feel nauseous after. And I went outside in the middle of winter, by the way, it was like March, I guess it was March. And I went outside and I was lying on the concrete. And I remember just looking at the snow next to me being like, I don't know, it must be cold out here, but this is the only thing that makes me feel good. <laughs> Holy shit. That, We're such was, an advertisement for physical yeah. fitness right now. But it was now. just that, it was that oh pre-workout thing. I've never taken pre-workout before yeah. or after because I think I took it and I didn't give myself, like I didn't take mm. it the proper timing because I'm not used to taking it. I was like, oh, this will just give, this will amp me up. It'll make me better. And when you're not used to it, man, that stuff, that's not good for yeah, your I heart. Yeah, I took something I like think. that before a CrossFit workout, an open workout yeah. too, and it was bad. I thought I was, I was looking at a garbage can halfway through the workout. I'm like, I'm going to go over there, throw up and come back and finish this workout. Yeah. But I can tell you, sorry, this, none of this talk, is under, yeah, yeah none <laughs> of, of this has been under your great, guidance, great. by the way, this has just been our own guidance, but I can tell you what that's all done for me at the gym is realized how far you can push the human body. Mm-hmm. Like Which that's what good. it's really taught me. Which I'm like, good, you know yeah. what? I can push this bag of tissues and bones pretty freaking hard <laughs> for sure. and, and hard relative to what I thought, you know, and maybe not relative to what other people can accomplish, but much harder than I thought. Did you ever read uh, David Goggins' book? Yeah, yeah. He talks about like if you feel like you're you're totally exhausted, you still got forty percent left or something. If uh, that's the best, yeah. just the best book. If you ever just want to feel like a wimp, yeah. it's just you just listen to <laughs> and Goggins. the audio book yeah. specifically because it's read by his like best friend. But yeah. then he at the end of each chapter ad lib some extra part into that chapter Crazy. and it, oh it's just amazing. when i was in the middle of that that i was i listened to the audiobook because of that i want to hear him afterwards and I, I went to the gym for a workout and i remember like mid-workout i was i was running and he's done all these super ultra marathons and stuff and i was just i had him ringing in my ear you got be hard be hard keep yeah, going yeah. and i'm like you know goggins dog i gotta keep going <laughs> and then i'm thinking to myself i'm like are you lunatic what are you thinking about right now <laughs> But there is something to be said to pushing yourself like that, that whole concept. And I know you work with like actual professional athletes. <laughs> so, but the mental side of it is obviously important because on some mm-hmm. of the little, mm-hmm. little 12 week challenges I've done at the gym, like multiple times at the end, when we're doing the workout, I will think I'm going to fail for sure. And yeah. then you're standing there by yourself thinking, holy smokes, I did, I put in 12 weeks for this and I, I can't let, you know, the coaches down. I can't let myself yeah. down. And all of a sudden you managed to push through 
It's sure. the weirdest thing. Yeah, it builds mental toughness too, right? If you if you say you're going to do something and you go ahead and finish it, oh, you feel so it, yeah. you feel so yeah. good. And I think that's why I just I feel that even if you're listening to this and you've never gone under the direction of someone at a gym, it's worth it to go sure. through that and push yourself. And it's also why I think CrossFit specifically gets a lot of heat. But when you work out with other people in a class and you can see how hard they're pushing themselves, yeah. it just helps you. Yeah, for sure. Because it's if I had a personal yeah. trainer without that, I would probably think I'm pushing myself hard and not really pushing you would, myself. You have no reference. No reference point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but okay, Dr. Cowan, so let's get back to why you are here because we want to talk to you. First off, I want to talk to you about uh, my blood work. So yeah. you told me to give blood three or four times and now we're going to do my blood work now you're going to analyze the results yes. but what i feel like it's been really beneficial to me without even seeing the results of my blood work mm -hmm. why did you tell me to do that okay so your iron levels were really high so we did it a couple times the first time your your ferritin level which measures iron stores was elevated but we weren't sure if you did it close to a workout so iron levels are responsive to inflammation so if you do a workout and then you your blood draw you can see elevations in some of the inflammatory markers so ferritin is affected by that so then we did a follow-up one a few months later away from a workout and it was still kind of high so then um the only way to get iron levels down is doing like some blood donations and then we're going to check to see like because if, if my iron levels after the blood donations stay high then it's a genetic thing and mm -hmm. i just have naturally higher high iron levels is mm -hmm. that correct mm -hmm. yeah so something called hemochromatosis is that you, your iron levels are naturally higher. So then the only treatment is to um, donate blood regularly. And so to, even to if I have natural, so if we look at my blood results now and you see high blood still, you're mm -hmm. still going to advise that I donate blood sometimes? Yeah, I think maybe less often because right now we're just seeing if it, if it changes that number, but maybe like once every six months or something like that. Yeah, got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then if it comes down, though, if you're going to test my blood, uh, if these results are show that my iron level is down, what's that going to tell you? Well, then it could have been an inflammatory response. Like, I think the second time you did it, we weren't sure if you did a workout close, close by to it or something like that. So then we'll know if that's making a difference or not. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then this high, this inflammation marker ferritin. Does ferritin. everybody have, so everybody has some level of this? Yeah. So ferritin is a measure of how much iron you're storing in your body. So everyone will have some iron, which iron is critical. So it carries oxygen around your around your body to oxygenate your tissues to make them work, right? So big for energy, big for performance, and all that stuff. So for men, usually iron levels aren't low because you're not you don't have a menstrual cycle, you're not losing any blood. So usually iron levels are maintained. And if you're having red meat, you know, a couple of times a week, you'll be able to keep your iron levels in a good place. But yours are really high, so it could be genetic, could be inflammatory. We're just trying to do you flush out what it is. Do you is. manage to have red meat a couple times a week? I manage to have red yeah. meat five to seven yeah. times a week. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. pull that off. So, but, that but wait, target. I'm just thinking through this through because this is Anthony on our team, and we'll get to the mm -hmm. carnivore diet. He said something to me. He's like, well, does that really make sense? Because back in the day, I'm sure, and I'm talking thousands of years ago, mm -hmm. I'm sure homo sapiens were eating a lot of meat. Maybe mm -hmm. every day they were, well, maybe not every day they were eating meat. Yeah. Because they couldn't get find meat yeah. every day. And they yeah. couldn't store it. They couldn't yeah. store the meat every day. Yeah, you'd you'd find it, you'd eat it all, and then maybe go a couple of days before you had anything else. Yeah, got it. Okay. Okay, so then let's switch over now to the whole carnivore diet thing. Mm -hmm. So that's the diet where all you eat is meat, and you mix in organ meats and marrow so mm -hmm. that you can get all the different nutrients that you require. Um, I don't know the carnivore diet well enough, except that Anthony on our team has been experimenting on and off. He's not yeah. been like sticking to it direct, but it's kind of fascinated him. 
But there's what, nothing. There's no vegetables or anything, right? Zero. There's nothing yeah, else. Only Every, animal products and animal based. So products. can you eat, can you have milk and eggs? Yeah. So That's yeah. Considered. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So eggs, butter, organ meat. Yeah. Fish, bone marrow. Bone marrow. Bone broth, maybe. Yeah. Bone broth. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Anything that. And when you hear that, can someone get all the nutrients that you think they need through that type of diet? As long as they're eating all the organ meats and doing it properly, not just eating a lean steak. Yeah, that's that's one thing. You've got to increase your fat intake, right? Mm -hmm. So fattier cuts of meat as well. It's really hard to say right now because there is almost no research on carnivore diet yet, right? There's no long-term studies. There's only like a, a handful of studies that are actual trials. One is from like 1930, right? That's like one of the only ones people are looking at there's an observational one that was done recently but um it's low quality observational is low quality because it's a questionnaire based yeah. study it's not a real study and it's someone and it's people who've done carnivore and there's a lot of room for so they're gonna be biased towards it probably right, right. and then maybe you could say that maybe someone who isn't carnivore wouldn't want to fill out certain question or maybe if they or if they didn't have a good experience maybe they wouldn't want to hate on it or i don't know so like there's not a lot of data on it just yet but the proponents of carnivore are saying um these are all anecdotal sure stories but they're saying like if you've been on carnivore for a while your nutrient levels kind of stabilize because some of the first things you would think about is so carnivore is all animal products, so no vegetables, no fruit, no carbs, so zero carbs mm-hmm. at all. So it's like the most extreme version of keto. Mm-hmm. Keto, you can still have vegetables, and uh, carnivore, nothing, right? So so right away, you think vitamin C would be a problem because vitamin C primarily you're going to get from your fruit and vegetable intake, right? And, low and it hasn't been a problem for them? That's what the proponents are saying, right? They're saying they've done carnivore for a year, no vitamin C deficiencies. I mean, I don't know what how they're testing that. I don't know mm. what tests they're using to, to show that. The other thing you'd think of is like fiber intake would be a problem because now you're going to like zero fiber, which you know like fiber feeds your good bacteria, so it keeps your gut health going. So you'd think there'd be deficiencies there, um, but people are doing it saying their, their vitamin C status is fine. Anything that's that extreme, I, yeah. just just me with, with no science, but you know, behind mm-hmm. me, and I, it just feels like anything that goes so far one way is is too but much. Is it, one if way I just way. look at yeah. even our relatives recently, like is it that extreme though? Like if I look at some of our relatives, oh, they eat a crap load of meat, man. Yeah, yeah like but they, they would have sh- potatoes too, and potatoes, they would have, potatoes yeah. and they make soups with it, and in the soup they have different things. There's still totally. far more variety than just the meat. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's a lot of meat. Yeah. Like it's meat every day. Yeah, but what do you eat? I eat meat every day too. Yeah. Like in yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of it. I'm just wondering how much, I guess part of it where I'm coming from is like, I know a lot of people will think of vegetables. Like let's look at kale. Don't you have to steam kale or cook it lightly to remove some of the toxins that kale naturally has mm-hmm. to protect itself? Don't some vegetables like broccoli and kale and some of these things mm-hmm. need to be cooked slightly to yeah. make them healthy for your gut? Where I know a lot of people are just like eating raw kale. Yeah, But I yeah. think that raw kale is full of some toxins unless you cook it a, a little bit. And I guess my point is... Like, how did the how did our present diet even come to be if this kind of stuff all existed? But when I, when I when I tell you the kale thing, what comes to mind on that? Well, the cruciferous vegetables, so like kale, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, all those. Um, if you cook them, it kind of makes the the nutrients more available and less. Um, like those are pretty gas producing vegetables too. 
Uh, but I think the argument you're, you're thinking of is the lectin thing, right? Is I that, think so. Think? Yes. Yeah. 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 So lectins is one of the big arguments for a carnivore diet where people, a lot of people don't respond well mm-hmm. to, so nightshades or beans, things that are have a higher lectin yeah. content. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if you look at some of the uh, South American studies, so like they'll have a high legume intake, but you know, no problems like in terms of how they're processing the lectins, right? So if you steam them or cook them properly, then you get rid of it. Like kidney beans, for example, are super high in lectins. So if you eat them raw, they're toxic. Are they actually, they're actually toxic? Yeah. 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 So you'd have to cook them and then that removes some of the the damaging properties to them. I guess I I just naturally lean to more meat as the option always. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you my eat, bias. But, but yeah. you're gonna get a lot of salad. Like I know of me, yeah. like my my family laughs at me because they call it my trough, my salad bowl. Because I don't use a small little salad bowl. I use a big salad bowl, and that's yeah. my salad for me. Yeah. And but you eat a lot of yeah salads and stuff like that. Yeah. But, as, but as I've I, cut out more things, I've felt better. Like as I've cut out tomatoes, uh, some of the nightshade stuff that you're yeah. talking about, I've actually felt better. Yeah. So like yeah, I do. But I've kind of intentionally cut some stuff out, yeah. and I'm like I'm feeling better, not worse. Um, so yeah, I guess just every person's going to have their own sensitivities. Everybody's mm. going to be unique. And that's why we need to run our own blood work, look at our own DNA to see what we respond to. Yeah. I think it has to be personalized and, and we'll do some trials with people like they've done carnivore, like some of our patients before. And the problem also is like some st- of your athlete patients, like no, Olympians. No, no, okay. no, no. no they're- so athletes, depending on the sport, but you need to have, um, like that intensity and that, uh, explosiveness comes from your carb intake. So like I work with a lot of NHL players and uh, MMA fighters, right? So it's all explosive activities. So you need carbs to fuel that performance. It, you'd be flat otherwise. Like it'd be harder to lift and explode and compete the same way. None of them have done keto or anything like that, really? I've done keto a little bit with them in the off seasons for some guys who we just want to lean out a little bit more and switch it up a little bit just for like maybe a month in the off season or two months. And then as they get back into the season, we're doing carb loading and And at that age too they're probably able to maintain their you know a lean composite body composition if they're in their 20s and doing as much activity as they're doing so you said carb loading i'm familiar with maybe explain to anyone that's not and Mm -hmm. carb timing is based on when their games and stuff are or, 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 or fights or whatever it is yeah so hockey for example like at the nhl level it's all explosiveness so you've got to kind of load your muscles and nervous system nervous system needs carbs as well to fire Oh, so you've really? got to load both of them prior to exertion. So like you'll use between 60 and 90 grams of carbs for an hour of intense exercise. What's what's considered intense? I mean, like like a hockey game would be intense. CrossFit would be intense. So is it a heart rate marker that you're looking at um, to define intensity? Yeah, I guess you can look at it as a heart rate. So any marker. sport, really, but yeah, soccer, basketball, yeah. hockey, anything yep. you're doing for that type of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly, right? And so, 60 to 90 grams of carb, if I if I was to think of rice, how much rice is that? So cooked. Like, cooked. It would be at least two cups cooked. So two cups cooked, not like before. Yeah, yeah. So car- still a bunch. Yeah. So carb timing-wise, like about four hours away from the game, we're doing like a carb-protein combination to, to load. And then like 90 minutes or 60 to 90 minutes before the game, we're kind of reloading on like slow and quick release carbs. What's so like a quick release carb? Sugar? Yeah. So we'll do like um, a juice mixed with like a carb powder, for example, really? like 90 to 60 minutes before the game just mm-hmm. to fully load your muscles and then you're ready to 
use up all that glycogen and then we will reload between periods between periods yeah just with, just with a the quick release stuff i guess yeah like juices yeah, and stuff. yeah just for a quick reload so and these are again. so these athletes like a hockey player is doing this in between periods if they want to themselves they're mixing this in a, like a shaker bottle or something we, we make it yeah okay so we, you we, sell this thing well uh, no we don't sell it but we prepare it all so like before oh shit but, professional athletes really yeah, get baby do don't they, they? Yeah. can you we, come here and prepare yeah. some stuff for us <laughs> yeah so like yeah so <laughs> when i'm there so when i'm there or our nutritionist like one of us will prepare like bottles for each guy oh that's you should how, share because we didn't share like a, a lot of people might not know that you who you're working with yeah when you you say that so Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm working with the arizona coyotes as a nutrition and high performance specialist and then also the london knights now as well oh cool that's a newer oh awesome i don't think you guys knew that one no no that's very cool so similar thing where we're optimizing individual performance for each player so I play Sunday mornings. Um, yeah. Can you come men's to our, yeah, men's yeah. like it's just yeah. a pickup. When I used to play that, we used to call Nick the bowling ball because if there's three people in front of the net and the puck was there, Nick would just come in full speed and smash everybody, yeah. including yeah. the opposing goalie. You need those guys. And if the puck went in, he would call it a goal. <laughs> and it was good. That's because I couldn't really stop. Well, <laughs> they all so count, right? It wasn't, I wasn't trying to smash them. It was just, I was out of control. Just happens. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, uh, so when you start with a new athlete, if mm-hmm. they're willing, what would you be your ideal process? process blood work um do you do dna stuff with that like can you walk us through that a little bit yeah so like you want to look at everything so gut health um, blood work to see nutrient deficiencies inflammatory markers um we kind of do like a sweeping blood panel to look at everything how each organ's functioning cholesterol levels nutrient levels um we'll do hormone testing to so you do like check their cortisol levels yeah yeah which is huge for energy recovery sleep and how much strain you've had like the cortisol testing is a good way of measuring how much nervous system strain you have so if you were you know how we talked about the heavy lifting thing so if you did that heavy lifting all the time and you were just determined to go and lift as heavy as you could three or four times a week you would see it yourself burning out like hormonal because the cortisol would be flat on my results yeah. throughout the day there would yeah. be no cortisol increase yeah. and you, you have could, low energy it'd be hard to motivate yourself and then for anyone listening why do i need cortisol to be increasing what, what is that doing for me so cortisol is, is super important for alertness and daily energy so it drives your wake portion of your sleep wake cycle and so many people have trouble with the circadian cycle like the sleep energy side so why would why, because I'm just thinking back to my recent one is mm-hmm. in the morning it's kind of low midday mm-hmm. it's a little bit low not so much right and mm-hmm. then but at the end of the day it's actually decent mm-hmm. if your cortisol levels are messed up like you wouldn't you think that they're all low or something like you're just not producing enough like why would it be at certain what causes it to be at certain times of day versus kind of just across the board yeah so you'll fall into a rhythm based on a lot of the things you're doing in your routine right so based on uh, your sleep, maybe uh, blue light at night, maybe alcohol, maybe caffeine. The timing of your caffeine during the day will change that curve. Oh, I see. So your habits will then impact what your body's yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah, and then that curve will sort of follow into a pattern. That's and what's, what's the ideal you. curve? So you'd want to have your highest cortisol first thing in the morning when the sun comes up. That's actually one of the best markers for how healthy you are. So like that first morning, you should have a spike there, a cortisol awakening uh, response. So sorry, my cortisol... My cortisol is highest then. I thought it was going to be highest at like 10 a.m. or 12 p.m. 30 minutes after waking should be the huh. peak. Okay. So drops. I thought yeah. it incre- It was high and then increased a little bit in the morning and then started to come down. No? Um, I'm the not fir- the doctor. Yeah. The first 30 minutes should be the highest. Like that should be peak. Okay. And then you should ride that kind of wave throughout the day. As the sun goes down at night, that's when cortisol drops. And then all your stored melatonin that you've been building up all day 
then gets released into circulation to kickstart all your sleep processes. So you need the transition from cortisol awake to melatonin for sleep. Really? You need that transition to happen. So yeah. then in the winter, don't, don't like, because it just changes things a little bit because in the winter, if your melatonin is starts to kick in mm-hmm. at whatever time it is, 6 mm-hmm. p.m., and you're not going to bed till, let's call it 10, which I don't even think most people go to bed at 10, it's probably mm-hmm. later. But then you're kind of struggling, you're kind of, you're, you're fighting against those natural kind of rhythms for four hours yeah. versus in the summer it kind of works. So does that mess, does that, it, like can you, is it harder to maintain the proper levels in the winter? Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why people, like we do so much cortisol testing with people because of stress levels will impact it because people have energy and sleep problems. But I think in North America, we see more circadian problems because of that. But think about how we would have survived as like our ancestors did if you didn't have artificial light. The sun went down at in the winter at whatever time, you'd probably be going yeah. to bed at whatever time, 6 p.m. or 6.30, some, something like that, and then you getting up earlier, right? And there's some pretty good research on if you take people with chronic sleep problems and you take them camping for like 10 days and they're subject to just the natural sun up, sun down, you can correct a lot of those sleep problems and chronic insomnia and chronic energy issues just by getting on the right rhythm of sun up sun down wow. so we're a mess yeah that's interesting in the modern world okay how about this mm-hmm. how about if i get you know how i mentioned i bought one of those um in red infrared light things what what i don't even know it was infrared light what did i buy red light <laughs> the, some red light was it the red light or <laughs> yes, is it a, it's or a red is light it the sad like the verilux I don't know. It's like a red light thing. <laughs> I'll okay. show you afterwards. Yeah. Good, good question. Tom. Just good let's, question. Uh, let's assume there's a good yeah. product that does some red light. Can you take some of that? Can mm. you put that onto your face or something or your body yeah. at night maybe to prolong, you know, and if the sun's going down, like Nick saying at four o'clock, would you do that in the morning throughout the day? What's, oh, re- what's red light? Yeah. Infrared light. Yeah. You could do that as well. Or you could also do like, um, it's called a Verilux light. It replicates sunlight. So they're, they're like 10,000 to 100,000 units of light. Oh, I've seen those, yeah. those things. Just like really bright whiteness and you kind of just stand in front of it or something, right? Yeah. And they have ones now where they're, they're actually connected to an alarm clock. So you can have your alarm clock go off and then have the, the light come on, which will start the timer for your circadian rhythm. So I have one of those l- alarm clocks, but it's 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 like it's not bright. It's kind of like the yellow, and it, it gets mm-hmm. it, it slowly gets brighter. You know, fifteen minutes as I as I wake up. This one yeah. says that, yeah. that that's a different thing, or that's the same that's thing. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So that's I, what you're talking about. Yeah. But I think what I'm trying to talk about is this red light thing. This red light red therapy. Light therapy. That's, yeah. And you're saying that's infrared light. Yeah. So this stimulates mitochondria function. There's yeah, this is... Uh, I know the 49ers now, uh, they're using it for recovery and stuff like that. They were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. So and rec- they won. They beat Dallas. I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah. important. Yeah. And I'm a, I've been a Niners fan. I've messed up my pool big time. Oh, dude, I've been a Niners fan war- since I was a kid. I, mean, I don't know yeah. why, man. I, I think Joe Montana, because uh, they were winning. So I liked them. when, when sure. I, You know, when you're young, you always just back the winner, right? For sure, for sure. So, yeah, it says red light enhances cellular energy. This kind of stuff. I guess that's what I was talking about. Yeah, so red light therapy is, um, it's a little bit preclinical right now there's some studies on it but for healing it's good good for healing okay got healing it. so tissues, this has nothing to do with the circadian rhythm this is completely different so it like, will give you some of that signaling like yeah. blood cells and that blood type cells. of stuff yeah. it's yeah. mitochondria and that type yeah. of stuff so. yeah yeah but yeah so the the light that you can have as long as you have indirect light that's the first cue to start your circadian clock it's like your eyes read sunlight and tells your brain like should be you should be awake or not like is it 
should you be turning everything on to start your processes or not, right? So because we're, we have me in the artificial light, we don't have that strong cue. Like the sunlight is 10,000 to 100,000 lux of light, which is like you can't replicate it with any of our artificial lighting, right? So having one of those lights or, or opening the drapes in the morning to get natural sunlight, or even we have patients go out for 10, 15 minutes, walk the dog first thing in the morning, get outside, have your water on your front porch, back porch to get some of the natural light. So you that think starts the cue. So even in the winter, going outside for 10 minutes on a walk mm-hmm. is important because it's, it's signaling to your body, here we go, it's daylight yeah. and it's triggering what? The cortisol release? Yeah. Just my circadian rhythm? Yeah, so that cortisol release will kind of kickstart your brain. Like that, that helps you get out of bed, get kind of going in the morning. But if you can retrain that rhythm, you can get up easier. It's much easier to wake up in the morning. Like a lot of people that come to our clinic have a hard time getting up in the morning, hitting the alarm 10 times. If you can change that cortisol rhythm, they can get up way easier. And you're thinking you can actually change the cortisol rhythm a little bit by getting up and going outside into daylight. Yeah. yeah. Regularly do that for, for days on end for a month. Yeah. One of the biggest things you could do if you have energy sleep issues. The other reason why it's important for sleep is because that first morning sunlight starts the clock in your brain to be like, okay, this is the sun's up now it's day. So a certain number of hours from now, it's going to be nighttime. Oh, got so it. it. So the, the three strongest cues, and you mentioned two of them, one is the light, two is movement, and three is eating. Re- basically, you're telling your body like it's daytime, you should be awake and starting your day. So if you have um, a set, this is why like similar sleep time, similar wake time is important because the body likes rhythm. Sure. So if you have a similar wake time every day, you're getting some morning sunlight, you eat your breakfast at the same time, you do some movement around the same time. Those are three of the strongest cues to kickstart your circadian rhythm. But you you said eating, but mm-hmm. like what about, you know, a lot of people do time-restricted eating or, mm-hmm. pre, you know, maybe some people skip breakfast, but some people do it like planned, you know, yeah. will we'll plan their meals not eating in the morning. So then does that counteract that a little bit? It does a little bit. Like, so the reason why that happened is just to make it easier for people. So time-restricted eating... is just to cut your calories? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's easier to skip breakfast than it is to skip dinner and go to bed without dinner, right? So people have shifted it. But the real research on time-restricted eating versus intermittent fasting is just you have an eight-hour window of eating, let's say, and you can slide it around morning, night, whenever you want to do. I thought but, they were the same. I thought they were interchangeable, intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating. No, Time-restricted eating is based more on circadian Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. So time-restricted eating is you want to eat all your food with sunlight. With daylight. With daylight. I have two patients that have done this consistently, and they're like ama- like amazing energy, amazing sleep, always stay lean. Like I don't want to say it's just that, but I think that if you're on that rhythm, 80% of the way your body works is run off circadian rhythm. Oh, uh-huh, that's interesting. So at 4 o'clock or 4.30 here in, in Canada, they would stop eating for the day. Yeah. And it doesn't get light again on some mornings until what, like, I don't know, 7.30? Yeah, like I have two patients right now who stop eating when the sun goes down right now, even in the winter. That takes tremendous willpower, that, right? Like Athletes or just like no. high, kind of high-performance individuals? Just high-performance individuals, like entrepreneurs okay. types of people. I showed them the, they said, what's the best thing for me to do? Like I'm doing this intermittent fasting. There's tons of benefits from fasting and we talked about these things. But um, if you can slide that window down to like one sunlight, hours are then it's even better it just kind of makes logical sense to me but then in the summer it's awesome because you can eat till 9 p.m yeah yeah yeah. and 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 do they or would Um, they 
they can. So yes, the one lady will extend it later in the summer. The reason why this stuff matters, and I think we mentioned this before on the podcast, but your internal organs have light sensors. So your liver, stomach, intestines, Mm -hmm. all those organs that are internal have light sensors, even though they're inside your body. They yeah, can tell if it's sun From up this or red light therapy, I was reading some clinical study, just the summaries on it, yeah. and it basically said, point it at your liver. Yeah. Like, point the red light at your liver. Yeah, because the infrared <laughs> will get so deeper. If you're, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I so knew, the infrared, and it has actually different levels of, like, mm-hmm. I guess, the depth at which the yeah. infra, uh, infrared light will go. Yeah. And it was talking about, like, how they're analyzing, like, your liver, and if you have some inflammation, how you can kind of help, or just injuries. Definitely. Like if you have, like, a knee injury or something like that. Yeah, so they have sensors because they're supposed to be operating during the day. Like all your digestive organs are primed and ready to run throughout the day when the sun's up. I think so. So basically, so if, you, if you if you get up in the morning, you don't go outside, and um, we have had lockdowns for the last whatever mm-hmm. on and off, and you just work from home, and you get less daylight than even normal. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it's horrible for mm-hmm. us. And then. On a normal routine, if you get up, but get into a car really quickly, mm-hmm. go into an underground office building parking lot, park in there, and yeah. then go up to your, you know, your office in that office building. Yeah, you're getting no sunlight at all. Yeah, yeah, for people. for months on end. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, like, um, we'll recommend our patients get one of those portable ones, like the light. It's a, it looks like the size of an iPad, and you can get like ten thousand up to a hundred thousand units of light indirectly. And not everyone's lifestyle. Anthony is, here is, has one. He has it sitting on his desk. Yeah, I and, have one. We have one in our kitchen. So we flip it on in the morning and just have that. And running. it lights up your whole kitchen or do you have to stand in front of it? So you need indirect. So you don't have to stare straight into it. We just need it to be on and you need to be getting some of that signal um, for, for to kickstart that rhythm, right? But I think so many people have problems with these things because of that, because of alcohol, blue light. Um, stress levels like we do so much and you guys know our team does so much work with like stress hormones cortisol Mm -hmm. to get people's energy and sleep back and then what they're doing nutritionally too will make that worse like everything kind of works together so gut hormones liver is kind of really the core of what you want to fix if you want some big returns getting your cortisol levels and i think i've said it before um i don't know on a podcast or not Mm -hmm. you know that that's been the the biggest revelation to me because mm-hmm. I, you know, I went through it again. I'm actually going through it now. And mm-hmm. just, you just notice a difference. Like you just, your body, you, you can sense that there, even if it's slight sometimes, like mm-hmm. mine weren't totally out of whack, but they weren't the greatest. And I just noticed in the morning, which in the past, I never had a really a problem in the morning. It was more in the afternoon. Actually, a few years ago when we did it, it was more I was crashing in the afternoon. Yeah. And I almost never crash in the afternoon now. There's on occasion, but it's more of just because I'm, I'm tired. I didn't sleep right. Yeah. Um, but then the morning, getting out of bed the last, you know, a couple months before it was kind of getting yeah. harder. And now that we're just kind of working on that, I've noticed a difference. Like just to, yeah. you know, and it is nice that that, that alarm clock for me, I, I do notice on a, a number of occasions, I, I wake up with the light before mm-hmm. my alarm will go off. And sometimes I'm like, damn, I want to sleep more. Well, you just, <laughs> and you can't turn yeah. off the light until the alarm goes off and you turn yeah. them both off. So it doesn't let you. I'm like, all right, I guess I got up. The other good thing about that is because you guys are so active with your workouts, you have less inflammation. The best, the better your cortisol awakening response is, the less uh, sore, the best, ache, the less achiness, the best joint pain you'll have in the morning. Because in the morning, your body kind of does, does a sweep. So if that cortisol res- response is where it should be, you'll get sort of like a wipeout of inflammatory cells and um, autoimmune you know the weirdest cells there get get improved too. Uh, so uh, normally when I, I get up and I go to the gym, 
often first thing. Like most often, it's like 80% of the time, it's, it's first thing. Like I'm literally out, out the door within 10 or 15 minutes of getting mm. up. And, um, and I've noticed that before, my, my kind of, the one thing I, when I get to the gym that I warm up, because I just feel it always gets all my joints going, is I just do a 500 meter row. Not super fast, mm-hmm. but just a 500 meter row because it's just moving everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that over the last few weeks since, I, I don't know, so I don't know if my cortisol response is better or not, but before it was just always a struggle for that. Mm-hmm. Lately, I'm just, I'm like, you know what? I don't need to go so slow. Like I can push this 500 meter as a warm up. Like I can just push this faster because it just feels good. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have no core, like I don't know if that's what it is or not, but it's just a change that I noticed over the last few weeks mm-hmm. that could be related to, to what you're talking about as well because it all makes sense. What you're saying yeah. kind of aligns with what I've been seeing. The nice thing is too, because that test, you're doing four samples in one day, you can really see what someone's rhythm is like, like when energy is high, when it's low. And sometimes initially you'll have someone do a workout when they have the most energy, the most tolerance to do it, because then you'll get a better workout result. And then initially you want to be doing more like weight-based stuff to kind of build hormones, build your anabolic hormones, build your DHEA, testosterone, cortisol, and then you can transition. But I think getting people's energy back is one of the biggest things like if you have low energy nothing else is going to happen no matter what great plans you have for your diet or exercise and and we're seeing so many people like that that now with the stress going on so that's the biggest thing for anyone listening to think about is your cortisol levels you really want to know what you're at because i think i remember when i first saw you mine were basically flat at that point in my Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. and then you made it um, you corrected it with everything that we went through, but that's like the one of the biggest things. Mm-hmm. So it's a hormone test mm-hmm. specifically to check your cortisol levels. Yeah, I think, I, I, but is that where you would start, or is it digestive? Like, what's the order? Is it hormone then dige- digestive system, and and or yeah, is it the other it's one of the two. One of the two, depending if people you know are coming in with whatever their, their issues are, whatever their symptoms are. But our team will usually start with either gut health stuff because it's just so Prevalent. common. Or stress hormone stuff, which is the other one. It's almost like everyone has trouble there. And for our athletes, we'll check these things often, like frequently. So every what, three what months, you, six months. What do you see? And I know everyone's different, mm-hmm. but what do you see as the most common things when you check gut health mm-hmm. and you do these the food sensitivity tests and things like what are the most common things that you see come up? And again, I know everyone is different. Like I'm yeah. not saying like they, no, everyone should avoid this. I'm just curious. Are there things that you can say, oh, no, no, like, you know, 75% of the time we see, you know, dairy or something like yeah. that. I, yeah. We've probably ran 3000 plus of these in our clinics yeah, by so now. Yeah. So we would see, so dairy, eggs, gluten, uh, tree nuts, and soy. I would say the five most common. But not everybody needs to be eliminating these things. And that's that's the thing too. Like even with carnivore, and I'm kind of with you, Nick, where it's like where it's a when people have a one sweeping philosophy where nobody should have any carbs. Um, it depends on the person. What are you trying to do? Are you an athlete? Are you a high sure. performer? Are you? What are you trying to do? Do you have a lot of stress? There's so many f- questions there. But I think um, even with the foods, not everyone needs to eliminate those. If you don't have a problem with it, if your body's dealing with them well and working well with them eliminating them can be more of a stress, right? Like if you said no, no more gluten just for the sake of it, that's pretty hard to do. Well, if you said no you more know? meat for Tom, what would he do? Yeah. He'd be stuck. Yeah. He'd, have yeah. To eat, he'd have to eat what? gluten instead. No, let's think that out. What am I going to just eat? Vegetables yeah. and what? No more meat. Vegetables, some rice, some starch. Well, I guess you, go, yeah. you have to go heavier on the carbs, I guess, to get full. Because how do you even satiate yourself? Fat. I, fats, you, yeah. Oh, fats, yeah, yeah. 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 But, huh. these, but all these diets, like you'll see people try different fad diets or and this is not necessarily a fad diet, but they'll feel better in the first few months because you've taken away all the junk. 
So whatever you're focused yeah. on, like if you're doing strict keto or vegan or Mediterranean or whatever you want to do, you're not eating all the processed junk food that you were eating. So you feel really good over the first few months. Right. Do you, do you remember that subway campaign with, I think it was Jared Yeah. and he's like, oh, I used to weigh whatever, 300 pounds and I lost yeah. all this way. And I'm like, well, yeah, cause subway is like compared to what I'm sure he was probably was eating, eating before. Yeah. Cause yeah. to maintain, like if you weigh whatever he was, I don't know if it was 250 well, to eat that much bread and still say it's a success is like a miracle. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's just, yeah. you know, and all the processed meats and stuff like that too. So, I mean, look, it's a better option than a, than a lot of other fast food sure. to be fair. But yeah, what was his diet before? No one really talks about it's that. When, yeah. It was an awesome market. You talk campaign. about Nick that all the time, how everyone gets excited on any diet they go on because of Dr. Kellen. What you're saying is that they've basically just eliminated the crap. Mm-hmm. So almost any diet's going to be better because yeah. you've just eliminated garbage from your diet. Yeah, and even intermittent fasting has benefits too. But the, the time restriction that you can eat in limits how much damage you can do as well, yeah. right? So if you're only eating for eight hours and it stops at 7 p.m. or whatever you want to do, you're not going to be doing all the late night eating where it's going against your circadian rhythm. Yeah. Like think about it. If, you're, if the sun goes down and your digestive organs are kind of shutting off and repairing for the night, which is what happens, and you're putting tons of food in there, it's all, it's backlogging So an everything. easy rule of thumb I, that you gave me was you said to just stop eating at, I think it was 7.30 p.m. You had calculated how, what time I'm getting up in the morning mm-hmm. and you said that will then just give my body enough time so that it processes the food so that when I'm mm-hmm. sleeping, my body can use its energy to repair its organs and get mm-hmm. some deep sleep mm-hmm. instead of digesting the food that I ate at 11 o'clock at night because I just ate like a, you know, a hamburger or a steak or something like that. Yeah. There's so many problems with the late night eating. Like number one, it's going to raise your core temperature. So if you put all that food in your stomach, all the blood's going to go to your stomach to digest that. Now your core temperature is higher. You need a low core temperature to get deep sleep. So when you wear these devices that measure your deep sleep, if you're constantly low on the deep sleep, I think it's 15 to 20% of your sleep Mm -hmm. should be deep. Deep, Um, If you're not getting that, which I wasn't, I was Mm -hmm. getting like Eight minutes, yeah. 11 minutes, and then you made me get that change, and I was easily over an hour, an hour and a half sometimes. Yeah. I think once I was getting like two hours of deep sleep. Yeah. So I got 30, yeah, I got 30%. The other night I was looking at my sleep, and I'm like, wow, I got 30% yeah, deep sleep. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was all after the, all the shoveling. Yeah. We got, because I, I, I did like a bunch of shoveling, and it was yeah. wearing the, the ring the whole time, and, and um, so I saw my strain for the day. Didn't go to the gym that day. But yeah. I got more deep sleep that night than I had ever done. So I guess my yeah. body adjusted to to the the workload. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was just maybe by chance. Yeah, exercise will give you will improve your sleep for sure, right? But yeah, if you're if you're putting in food in at late at night, also your insulin levels are the least sensitive at night, which means your body can't process the carbs and sugar which most of people are eating late at night, which means it's going to get stored. It's going to be stored as fat pretty much, right? So, oh. so I but I I'm all. Like I'm always hungry mm-hmm. late at night before I go to bed. So now I, the only, the closest I've done is I'm like, oh, I got to eat before nine o'clock. I got to mm-hmm. finish whatever mm-hmm. I'm eating, which is better than what I was doing 10 or 10, 15 before. But it's like, I, I always tell my wife, I'm like, man, I'm hungry and I want something like, I don't want to eat a, like a steak or something like that at night. But I you want, want something. something satiating. You yeah. Want, mm-hmm. So like I, I, my default's always been like, I, I eat a lot of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I often would, would go to peanut butter, but I, I should be eating that sooner. But, and the reason I was doing that is like, ah, because the fats will mm. keep me full yeah. throughout the night. Yeah. I won't feel yeah. hungry even maybe when I wake up tomorrow. Right. Yeah. So it could be a sign you're not getting enough in throughout the day to support your workouts. And like you, you're lifting pretty heavy. So maybe you're not getting enough food in during the day. Some people will eat very light during the day because they're working and they're busy with their job 
And then that night, that's when they really feel hungry. So the body's so trying to make us to different. So I'm sure Nick's that's not eating enough then. So he has to maybe, force I don't know. I don't eating know. more. I think you're probably right. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to. But, but that's what someone you, but if you concluded after looking at his, his diet mm-hmm. that he was short on calories, you would literally tell him, okay, Nick, for mm-hmm. lunch and like, I don't know, 3 p.m., 4 p.m., you got to be eating more food. Yeah. That would be the advice. For sure. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I should have an early first dinner is what I probably should do. Like before I go Yeah, home. instead of having That's the late kind of snack, yeah, having an a, early first dinner and then have your dinner yeah. and you're probably good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and also, um, oh, the, so the carnivore helps you in that scenario, I was going to say, because it gives you a lot of protein. So most people don't get enough protein in their diet. If you are a carnivore, at least you're for sure going to hit some good protein numbers, which is going to make you feel more full and probably are less How less much protein hungry. should everybody be getting? So... You want to aim for half your body weight in grams of protein. So if you're 200 pounds, you want 100 grams of protein. And mm-hmm. what would be an example mm-hmm. of 100 grams of protein? So 30 grams would be a chicken breast. So like three, so three chicken breasts in a day. Which yeah. and then you want to try that to space it right. out. I don't think a lot of people. I, I think a lot of no. people don't get three chicken breasts because no. we agree. Oh, for sure. We eat more, more meat than like a lot of people, yeah. and, yeah. and like, yeah, maybe we get it. Yeah, my wife when we got married, started, she's like, "How much? Why do you always eat meat?" <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. This is what you're supposed to eat. So yeah, I think we do for oh, sure. Oh yeah, my, my wife just gets confused with yeah. my levels of um, Why are what you? I can put back for that. But see, that, three that. chicken breasts. That sounds yeah. normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like perfect. When you get those prepared meals that come and you know, sometimes uh, yeah. Carol actually just uh, broke her leg skiing oh, and no. some uh, yeah. our family sent over one of those services that does prepared meals but you cook it all but they give you the ingredients oh, yeah. and it was for family of four and it was like pork chops it's two, two and there pork was, chops. It was yeah. no for family of four there was four quite small I would say pork chops I'm like is this for me or is that is like is that our whole family meal tonight these, <laughs> these the little dog. pork chops are these little pork chops that's enough for everybody here oh, or is that just for like one person I'm I was so confused by the sampling size or the portion size you of know this what meal. this is going to become a bigger problem I, I yeah because you're about talking about inflation yeah. and food costs but just okay. the food costs yeah. this is going to get become a bigger problem over time I think with yeah, uh, protein's going to get expensive yeah. Yeah. It's it already, already has already gets expensive if you look at the butcher you look at a prime rib roast, if you look at prime rib roast lately, I mean, I love them, but they're not cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know someone that went to uh, the store yesterday, loaded, like it was Costco, they were loaded up on a bunch of extra stuff that they didn't need. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, the bill was 850 bucks for a bunch of stuff I didn't need, but I'm convinced because of the- Supply va- chain the, issues? Yeah, the vaccine mandate with mm-hmm. the truckers and stuff like that. And he's in that world a little bit, so he knows people in that world. And he's like, hey, he goes, I'm just convinced there's gonna be more, way more shortages than people think, so I just want to stock up now. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it was just an yeah, interesting, I mean, kind of you know, the signs are there. Like we were just talking to, so now we're off topic, but I was just talking to someone earlier today. Like when we saw Croatia go through that in like the eighties and nineties, like you start talking about supply chain issues. You start talking about how used cars go up in value because the doll, the currency yeah, yeah. is losing value. For sure. Which and is happening. And then yeah. you, the inflation starts to yeah. tick up a little bit more. And you just look around Canada right now. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> I've seen these patterns before. Yeah. And I know what happens a little bit past this. You end up getting some real inflation. So mm-hmm. the next year or so is going to be fascinating. Either we, Nick, either this inflation gets corrected or we're on the wrong path. So anyway, we're way off topics here, but um, what about Nick's uh, caffeine processing? Um, so like, I think for me, you said with my DNA test that you had me do, okay. I was like a medium processor, which means I could have two good sized cups of coffee a day, yep. even up until I think you said 4 p.m. or something. Mm-hmm. And that sounds about right for me. Mm-hmm. I seem to have no issue sleeping with caffeine. Mm-hmm. 
I was like a, what you I think called like a medium processor. Yeah, so you can be slow, medium, or fast. So fast caffeine processor genetically means you can handle caffeine and it just kind of goes through your system and it does the effect and then it comes out. It doesn't have any lingering effects. If you're slow, then the effects last longer and you don't feel great with caffeine. Okay. You might feel jittery or anxious. Okay, so that is, it, that is, slow. was he slow on I his DNA? Now. I don't I can't remember. I, I actually don't think I was because I remember. That's I what I remember. I thought you were medium as well. Could that be true? Could he be a medium processor but still just have some sensitivity well, me, yeah. to caffeine? Yeah, so medium, you're kind of in, in between. You have to sort of like test it out. Okay, because okay. I can yeah. add one other thing to that. Like most most times, I, I will get jittery and stuff afterwards. Mm -hmm. But so a good example is the espressos here. If I had a really strong one someplace, I, I get all freaked out afterwards. Like mm -hmm. I can handle I can handle mm -hmm. it when the caffeine's in me and giving yeah, me that, that awake it's effect. Out. It's when it's coming out, it just I feel like stressed almost and yeah. like jittery and like I, I can't think. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. Can but here with these beans, um, which I don't know, th these beans that Tom imports from yeah, these are good, they're them. great. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Dr. Cowan yeah. enjoyed the whole coffee, <laughs> but, but you don't here, mess around. The I beans here are amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying if and you I don't come and have one of our espressos and tell me it's not a good espresso, I judge you, you're not judging the beans, <laughs> okay? That's what's happening, but I don't, I don't get it here, and I don't have many. I mean, mm -hmm. like, I've probably had, I've probably had. I don't know, five or six espressos the, the whole, in the two years we've been in this office. Like, I, I don't have any, but I've noticed that I don't, not a single time have I got that feeling. So, I can guess he counteract that with L-theanine? Yeah, L-theanine will smooth it out. So, L-theanine slows down your brain waves. So, it just like calms you down. So, you don't feel that anxious. Because I like espresso with an L-theanine tablet. Yeah, that's what I, I did. Yeah. Is that what you yeah, just did right yeah, now? Yeah. Well, before Shit, we started, I didn't see yeah, you take the L-theanine. Yeah. <laughs> on the way in, I had one. Dude, you're sneaking the L-theanine on me. No, well, it was Anthony here at the office who told me, hey, try the L-theanine yeah. combo mix. I think I mentioned to you mm -hmm. and you were like oh yeah go for mm -hmm. it yeah uh, an espresso with l-theanine tablet mm -hmm. it takes the edge off the coffee and it just prolongs that kind of caffeine yeah. intake it takes away the anxiousness is huh. that what it's, mm -hmm. it's happening mm -hmm. okay that's interesting so why'd you take it then for the same reason i just find it it uh makes the caffeine work better Really? I just find, yeah, it's a good good mix. If Tom? I'm doing a presentation or something long. How much L-theanine? Like 100 milligrams usually. Okay. Not that much. So you can get chewable. Tablets. Yeah, but that's what we have here, the yeah. chewables. Yeah, I like those. Tom's yeah. Tom's convinced the caffeine mixes I say better. Did you talk to, to no. talk about this yet? It's oh, going to make yeah. you more alert. So it probably makes I you feel like your eyes are I thought. more. Right? Yeah, because I, I guess in the, um, I didn't have any coffee for about six weeks, I would say beginning of November till uh, the end of the holidays there. I went through mm. six weeks, no coffee. I ended up getting a cough. Mm -hmm. Didn't want, you know, when you're not, you have a coffee, you just, I don't know. There's sometimes yeah, I just like don't feel like coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of kept it going. Didn't have any coffee for six weeks. And then towards the end of that six weeks, I don't know, it was the holidays. I was drinking some wine and not too much or anything, but you know, kind of yeah. eating like for sure, eating like garbage compared yeah. to my usual diet. Yeah. And I just noticed my eyesight was like weaker than usual. I was complaining about it. I was actually starting to get, you know, right above your eyes, these yeah. muscles here were starting to get tense. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think my eyes are really working hard. Huh. Went to go get uh, to an optometrist and they're like, yeah, you know, you're, you're 40, uh, I'm going to be 49 this month. Like mm. kind of not surprising that you probably need glasses and that I did need a prescription. But then I started having some coffee, some of my coffee again. I swear to God, this is a ridiculous story. It can't even be true. But maybe you're saying it is true. Yeah. I have the coffee, the espresso, and I'm like, I, I can see better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it will definitely improve your alertness, right? So caffeine's interesting too because it, it works. It doesn't give you energy. It blocks your relaxed nervous system. So you know how we talk about our nervous system for working out? You have a sympathetic and then you have a parasympathetic. So the sympathetic is like your energy fight or flight. Parasympathetic is rest or digest. So, so I caffeine was just blocks too rested. That. It blocks yeah, yeah. all that. 
Got yeah. it. So it keeps your nervous system on, which can make you feel anxious or overstimulated. Like people with a high level of anxiety, caffeine is probably the first thing you want to be reducing because then you're blocking your relaxed nervous system all the time. It's going to make you feel much so more So could it be that anxious. I was just so relaxed there through the holidays, not doing anything, that my eyes were just like, screw you and just going to a relaxed state? I think it's probably just like boosting your alertness. Alertness. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden your eye, like you feel like your vision's clear. Like yeah, yeah. You know when you first go on, you know how we talked about uh, repairing cortisol and getting the rhythms back? You know how we use certain supplements, botanicals? When you start getting that back on track, people will say, I feel like I'm seeing clearer. My vision's better. I feel like I can... Like I'm more focused and more engaged. What about my knock on coffee is the addictive principles of it. Mm-hmm. But I guess the positives, I know there's positive But that's not benefits. to everybody because no, I can drop it no problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. But I mean, I've seen lots of people that when they don't have coffee, they have headaches, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's why I'm always like, how good can it be if it, if it causes your body or some people mm-hmm. to be dependent on it and have mm-hmm. a physical dependency? Otherwise, you know, they get these reactions. Mm-hmm. Does I guess the positives outweigh the negatives, or if that it causes, if you're one of those people that causes, maybe you should avoid it a little bit. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I find people like based on the genetic thing will will be either a coffee person or not. Like, we did a lot of uh, genetic testing like at the clinic, so usually people who are slow metabolizers are not like huge coffee people. Hmm. Usually they're kind of like ah, take it or leave it. It's okay. Sometimes I don't, I don't really like having too much, but people who are fast metabolizers seem to like it because you feel great, gives you a boost, comes out of your system. And you're flushing it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really having the lingering effects, but yeah, it acts like a drug though. It's a, it's a, and the headaches when people drop it. Isn't that bad? Isn't that bad? So there are benefits to caffeine. Like, so it'll help liver function. It'll help with like Alzheimer's uh, prognosis. Like it'll improve like prevention of those kind of things, like those degenerative brain things. But then you have the functional problems, which we see all the time is people burning themselves out. So their cortisol is burnt out. They have tons of coffee to give them energy because they don't know which any the different. the point I was at when yeah, I first okay. ran into Dr. Cowan. And then now you're totally dependent on the caffeine just to make it through the day, but you don't feel good. You just need that baseline just, to, just like, to get to bare minimum. To, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's a problem. I think that's a, that's because then okay. you're fully dependent and it's not helping you. It's actually making your, if you're to look at the curve, it's making your curve lower and lower over time. Why do you think people are getting headaches when they stop drinking coffee? Is that the withdrawal of the sh- like sugar they're putting in the coffee maybe and not the actual coffee? Oh, I never or thought is that, about that. Or is that like a caffeine? It's a caffeine, yeah. Oh, it is the caffeine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they, the they're just addicted to the... Not, mm-hmm. Is addicted the right word? They're addicted to the caffeine? I guess you could say that. I mean, people are addicted to that, just like they can be addicted to food or yeah, anything okay. else, right? So then your body wants it. And then when I cut coffee... You don't so get I don't want to cut coffee. I prefer yeah, to drink yeah, my coffee. Yeah. But when I do it, I never get these headaches. Is that just mm. because my body processes caffeine differently or something? Yeah. I mean, usually people would get a withdrawal headache. I know everyone tells me good. they do. I don't get that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like, are you doing anything different when you come off it? Like, are you trying maybe. to hydrate extra, work out extra? Co- maybe you're minimizing like, the How much coffee do you have? Like, how many espressos do you have a day? Maybe two. Because that two espressos, yeah. and they're not, not, much, it's, not it's, much. It's barely even. A, a, a heavy day is three. Yeah, so that's 300 milligrams. Yeah. That's less than 300 milligrams. So and what's in, like, a Tim Hortons medium or a Starbucks medium coffee? Or so I don't know how Like, probably 150 or 200 milligrams. Okay, so you're normally yeah. having, like, one coffee, but you're you're having half a coffee. Like, it's half a coffee each time. So out, yeah. maybe, that, maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so 400 would be the max. So if you're a slow metabolizer, 400 milligrams or less would be ideal, which is, like, two or two coffees. Mm. Okay. Well, there's so much self-experimentation going on now. Mm-hmm. I know we're like, you know, and, and Tom and I will 
both do things, different things. We're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've changed this and I'm trying this and mm-hmm. I'm kind of testing this. And a lot of it is, is you know, uh, uh, some of it is with a professional like mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. which that generally goes better. Um, <laughs> yeah, under guidance yeah. usually yeah. helps. Yeah. And then some yeah. of it is like, well, I don't know, I saw this yeah. thing, I'm just going to try this thing out. Yeah. What like is that? bro coaching? And that, yeah. Nick, hey, I tra- I read this, man. You should check that out. Take this supplement, so, dude. Yeah, so this works. And I guess yeah. To that point, like, is that trend? I, I guess in some ways it's good because you're trying to be kind of in tune with your body and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But can you also kind of screw yourself up by doing too much of that sure. stuff too? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Even with just natural supplements, if you're taking them at the wrong times and things oh, like that. Yeah, definitely. Like especially some of the stuff that we're doing, like we're using professional grade stuff where we it's got research behind it. We know what it's going to do. But if you start using something that's going to raise your morning cortisol and yours is already good. It's going to put you through the roof, right? You're going to be anxious and you you're know, going to jump out of bed yeah. in the morning. Yeah. yeah, got it. I think that, well, I also think that people are trial and erroring a lot of the little strategies that are very minimal impact things, right? They'll try to switch this or switch that. Yeah. But there's such a low you're impact. You're not making a wholesale yeah. change. I've noticed that yeah. when, when I came to you and you did, I think, my stool samples to find out what, what was it that we were looking for in my stool? Uh, yeah, I say stool. It sounds so formal. Yeah. What were we looking it's for? A bad, you had bad bacteria in there. You had yeast in yeast, there. Yeast, yeah. And we're trying to kill the yeast. Yeah. You can tell when you're doing stuff like that, you're really attacking the major source of the problem yeah. as opposed to taking a little supplement to make you feel better for oh, a couple of days. When you're digging through your poop in the toilet to put it yeah. in the jar? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think it's better yeah. now. I had, to, yeah. I had to take crap into a French fry container. <laughs> I heard it's better now. And it was, a, it was a spork. It was a spoon fork <laughs> oh. thing because then the instructions were take some of it and put it into these like freaking little Ziplocs or capsules. I forget. Yeah, it was a little, and then to put it, it in the freezer. Container. So I'm yeah. telling Sienna because she has her Hagen Doss in the freezer. I'm like, watch hey, out for those. Oh my gosh. Oh, watch out not for that those. you would ever touch this, but because I think I had to do it two or three times. And then you send mm-hmm. it in and you see the yeast sample. And then you have to kill the yeast. That's when I went on one of the craziest diets with Dr. Count. It was no sugar for a month. Yeah, I did that Which too. sounds easy. That no. is the hardest thing. And right. we took a trip to New York, a family trip to New York City. Right. And we were doing like a tour through uh, one of the areas. I'm not called uh, Little Italy anymore. What's it called? I forget. And we're going through all these bakeries oh, and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck am Cursing I doing me. here? Yeah. yeah and then it I was, was tough. And I, I just needed food and calories. I had coconut butter at night. I was just eating coconut butter. I can't even imagine how many calories I was putting in of coconut butter. Just eating it with a spoon out of the jar. And I'm just like, my wife's like, if I ate that, I think I would gain like a hundred pounds. It, it seemed know? to work because then in yeah. my stool, I feel so uh, like a professional when I yeah. say that because yeah. I'm used to saying yeah. shit. Um, in my stool, um, you would see this yeast come out. This is too much information now, mm-hmm. but you would see like this white kind of dead shit. Yeah, when you fix it. <laughs> Can we yeah. edit this part? Yeah, exactly. Very graphic. But I think um, fixing your gut is one of the biggest things. I think a lot of people... It have, helped me so much. A lot of people have underlying gut issues that they don't recognize and you wouldn't know. And it doesn't always present as like obvious gut symptoms. Like you may have bloating, which could be caused by... Tw- it could be 20 things causing you feel bloated. You could be tired after meals, which could be the volume you've eaten, the type of food. There's so many factors, but... I think that's probably the biggest area. If you fix someone's gut, it changes like massive. It's like me. a 180. Yeah. Right. You, that really, really helped me. Yeah. So, uh, so I was going to ask about blood. Go ahead. So uh, at this, uh, on my latest um, blood samples that we're going to do or panels, mm-hmm. whatever you call it, we're going to also check my testosterone levels. So now at the age of 49, if my testosterone is low, because it hasn't been in the past, mm-hmm. are you going to suggest... Um, 
that I do, I was going to say do steroids. <laughs> That's the wrong thing. <laughs> Are you going to suggest that I, t- I, I do some additional testosterone or TRT or something like that? Or yeah. What, like what goes through your mind? when TRT when I see- is a professional name for steroids. Oh, is it? Yeah. That's how little I know. Okay. Well, it just testosterone, depends on yeah. volume and stuff. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, testosterone is slightly different than like an anabolic steroid though. But yeah, you could take like do TRT or you can raise um, DHEA, raise testosterone. Like you can max out the natural strategies to boost that up, like zinc levels, vitamin D, things like that have shown to raise yeah. test levels. Okay, up. so you might tweak that on me. Yeah, you could do that. And then depending on how low it is, you could also think about like a, a TRT. Or what would a, be the benefits for me doing that? At this age, so people think about the muscle impact of testosterone, but it That's has I'm more. Of of, how much yeah. can I lift? <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. they, they got excited there. Yeah, it's like, hey, yeah. am I in on this? I'm leaning yeah. in. Am I I'm in leaning. on this? Exactly. Yeah. So there's that benefit, like anabolic. in Croatia, by the way, they were selling some testosterone over the counter at some like store I walked into. It looked like yeah. a toothpaste thing, and I think if I read the instructions correctly, it was in Croatian. But if I read the instructions correctly, I think it, it like said put cream, it into right? your armpits. Yeah, oh yeah. Would yeah, that be accurate? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm like, am I reading this mm-hmm. right? Really? And it was like, yeah. take the toothpaste thing, you squeeze it onto your palm, and then you put it into your. And, it goes uh, yeah. and that's when I thought, you know, yeah. So, uh, so, so underneath the arms or between the thighs is where you'd want to uh, like put the gel on, so I you just, get higher absorption. And that, that increases test. So that's like artificial testosterone, similar to something else, but just in a weaker version, similar to a needle or a pill or whatever else you however else you would deliver it to yourself yeah it's probably like an andro gel or something like that that yeah that one is but yeah you it. can do injectable uh testosterone as well but um sorry yeah we cut you off no no there's some new stuff showing that if you do a smaller amount like this you need trt okay. smaller amount daily it replicates more so like how your body would produce it anyways Okay. Right. Versus like an injection once every two weeks but or every three. Weeks. And the benefit is what my organs are going to function better. Overall metabolism is better. Like what? What, what am yeah. I getting? So testosterone allows you to add more muscle mass, like technically, and it also is going to improve like cognition. So so higher testosterone huh. improves like mental sharpness. Okay. It's a big. People don't think about that one. They always think about the muscle aspect. So mental sharpness as well. And then if you go on this at a low dosage, can you come off okay? Because I've always read that like once you're on it, you're like on it for life or you're screwed. Yeah, you'd want to monitor it and you want to make sure like you're actually changing your testosterone levels. They're coming up and that you're not just moving it all to estrogen. Got it. Like that's part of the thing too. So and then, you work with people to do that? Yeah, we'll monitor it and we'll we'll test as we go just to make sure that they're staying in the right amount. And then you can make sure that you're not overshooting it if you have concerns of like taking too much testosterone. When I saw my most recent test is like the, the, the average range, I, I don't know what the numbers mm-hmm. represent, but for like a male was, well, I don't know, 30, 25 or 30 to like 180, I think if I remember correctly, something like that. Yeah. And then it said, and then there was in brackets is like if you're supplementing, it was like up to 800. And I was like, well, I, so my number was kind of on the low side. I'm like at 35 or something. And like, if I'm at 800, I go, that seems like an awful lot. Yeah. Was this blood or urine? This was the cortisol. It was on the cortisol. Saliva, saliva. Yeah, saliva. Yeah. So like the measurements are different depending on if it's oh, blood or whatever. Okay, but okay. yeah. So yeah, you. I think you were, was it less than half? Yeah, it was less than less half because I, I I was, um, I'm yeah. pretty sure I was like 35 and it went up to maybe 150 or 180 or something like that. Yeah, like beyond age 40, testosterone levels start to drop naturally, but we're seeing the drop earlier now. Like if you look at the data over the last, you know. Just because of everything we talked about. Yeah, People stress diet, levels. stress. Stress is a huge one, right? Because if you burn out cortisol, you burn out DHEA and those all help you make testosterone. So you lose that whole chain. And then um, stuff in the environment like plastics, phthalates, stuff like that has shown to disrupt 
What about meats? Like, like hormones in meats? Does that impact it? You think? Not really. No? Not as much as people think. The only thing that will impact it if you're doing a fattier cut of meat, um, it's going to contain more like omega six, like more hmm. inflammatory. So the fattier cut, you want to get like a better quality Even or like gra- a grass fed. Yeah. Okay. So if it's grass fed, because that's the fats where you, it carries. Because I remember when we would go to our family's farm over there in Croatia, I would see the fatty cuts. The fat was yellowy, and I remember our uh, relatives would like love the fat. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, if you give somebody a fatty cut of meat, it's usually white fat, clear, mm-hmm. and nobody wants it. But mm-hmm. there, my impression was they were like getting the nutrients from the fat. Yeah. Does that sound right to you? For sure. Yeah, you'll get a lot of nutrients from the fat. And then if you have the right, like a better quality one, you'll get more like omega-3 in there. Yeah, got it. Which is what you need. Okay. So then I I guess for in today's world, um, is it still recommended at a high level? If you were just to give a generic thing of like vitamin C, for me, I Mm -hmm. think you've you've said vitamin C is good. Zinc is good. Mm -hmm. Take vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And for me, cod liver oil Mm -hmm. is, is really good. I think those are the main ones I'm on now. Some probiotic um here and there but so a, a probiotic vitamin c zinc vitamin d and cod liver oil mm-hmm. is that like a pretty standard thing that you recommend to people that's a pretty good setup especially for immune function like those are three of the best evidence-based immune boosters. so during this whole covid era has that been something you've been helping people with those those items specifically yeah yeah like if you're going to try to boost your immune, immune function system. or support it like vitamin d3 like an emulsified version it's like in a fat already, so it absorbs better. Okay, so not like a Ver- tablet? Yeah, a tablet doesn't absorb as well. I thought that well. too, yeah, yeah, okay. So emulsified or liquid version, um, zinc for sure, and then uh, vitamin C. Those three are kind of like the best. And then you're doing cod liver oil because you can get the omegas from there. And then you were low in vitamin A, remember, genetically. Right, yeah. Vitamin A is connected to vision. Yeah, got it. Uh, and then Gotta it crank also got my vitamin A. Yeah. Then it has about vitamin A in my espresso. Yeah. New combo. It's yeah. called the vision coffee. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Clear vision or something. Yeah. But then it has vitamin A and uh, D three in the cod liver oil as well. It's kind of like, yeah, already built in with those. That one I love. Yeah. yeah. But omega three status is another major thing, right? Like in North America, our omega three status is so low because you're going to get it mainly from seafood got and it. people don't have enough. Do you so, get it from farmed seafood too? Or I guess not as you will and not as not as high amounts. Okay. Same with like grass fed beef has higher omega three status than a regular okay. one. Okay. But omega three to omega six ratio is like how much inflammation you're carrying in your body. You could test that. Like we do a blood test to see like your ratio and then see if you need to be boosting your omega three status. Um, omega three is helpful for the gut, you know, brain development, cognition, maintaining brain volume as you age to maintain oh, cognitive geez. function. Um, omega three is pretty powerful, pretty right? important. A lot of, a lot um, of benefits. Okay, so you're working with the Arizona Coyotes right now, the London Knights. I know you work with all sorts of different Olympians in Canada, probably the U.S. U- I, UFC I, fighters. UFC right? fighters. I almost said his yeah, name. How much I didn't time say his do you? Name. How do you have this much time? <laughs> yeah. Your te- his <laughs> team's question. growing. Yeah, that's it's true. It's a team. Yeah, yeah. It's not just. Uh, but yeah. can you tell every? So if somebody was listening to this and they're like, "Oh, I don't know. I want to check this out." What's the website they go to, and what's the intake process for like a normal person? What can they expect? They meet with somebody on your team, and yeah. what happens? Yeah. Actually, what's pretty cool? We I forgot to mention this earlier. We just had, uh, we put a quiz on our website, which is kind of cool. So we took like ten questions where you can assess how well you're actually functioning. Oh. It's probably like not a, as good as you think. Like a yeah. assessment. <laughs> Which is really good because these are like a culmination of, you know, 10 things that we've seen over, like I've been doing this for 10 years. So certain questions like, 
do you feel rested after eight hours of sleeping? Can you get out of bed in the morning? Do you have any crashes of energy during the day? Do you have bloating? Like, so that will give you an idea of, you know, where you're at. Um, and it's pretty eye opening from the people who've done it already. So it's just a free quiz on our website. You just click on it. You go through the questions that are multiple, like they're true, false, yes, no, whatever go through and you get a score. And then, um, it'll recommend like, should you work with us or maybe you're, you've you're already okay. figured it all hey, out. If you're right? answering the questions yeah. like this, you're, you've been taking Tom's vision, vision yeah. coffee. Yeah, exactly. and you're good to go. So exactly. that's it. Uh, that the URL to get the quiz is what phenom HPM or no. Yeah. Yeah. Phenom HPM.com. That's the website. And if you scroll down at the bottom, the, the quiz is there and the process is, um, so the first step would be doing an assessment with one of our team members and they can break down what areas do you need to improve to really feel your best? Is it a hormonal thing? Is it gut health? Is it liver stuff? Like what are the things that need to improve for you specifically? Cause everyone's going to be different and we're pretty, you know, efficient at that. Now over the years, we can pinpoint what areas if we need further testing, we'll recommend, um, you know, you should do this gut test or this blood test or whatever it is. And our testing is very specific. Like as you guys have seen, you guys have done pretty much everything at this point but it's been worth it like getting an understanding it. of how your body's operating uh, it's to me been, it's, it's one of the best investments you can make right so or if the best investment it's your health and a bunch of rock star clients have come to you with their kids and you've helped them mm-hmm. uh i know with gut health you've referred people have referred people to you that we know and mm-hmm. you've helped them out so you work with everyone women men young old athletes high yeah. performance uh entrepreneurs you all sure. over all over the spectrum yeah it's yeah. how we found out i mean i brought my daughter she was at that time probably 10 yeah. And it's how we realized, you know, with the, her reaction to dairy is mm-hmm. quite, is, is pretty strong and, mm-hmm. you know, through you too. And that's a 10 year old. So, yeah, like we, so we have four doctors on our team that will work with like anyone, general population, but anyone who wants to feel better, function better. And that's the crazy part. I think I've said this a hundred times, but like most people have no idea. They just go along. You you find a new normal, whatever that is, whether you're tired or bloated or can't sleep. And that just becomes your thing. And after a while, you just mentioned to people, yeah, I can't sleep. That's just my, or I can never get up in the morning or I can't get rid of the belly yeah, fat. That's just your normal. That's just, my, that's just my normal thing. Like at the NHL level too, we've seen guys who are, you know, more veteran guys who will just say, you know, yeah, I just, I just can't sleep. It's just, just in my nature. I just can never sleep. I'm like, well, how are you processing caffeine? When are you having it? What stimulants are you taking? So the basics. <laughs> yeah. Have you done any of these changes for like your... Uh, not eating at a certain like circadian rhythm switches or switching out your inflammatory foods. Oh wow, I can sleep way yeah. better, recovery. Yeah, better. yeah. Oh, wow. But so just, yeah. that easy with some people. But just oh, yeah. think because of all the new science, think of all these veterans that didn't get exposed. No one was making them their supplement shakes between periods before when they were 22 no. years old. Now no. think of the young guys coming oh. into the league. So like we're smoking Tom's butts in between fed. periods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Matthew Marners and stuff like that. Yeah. So when they're 35, you know. It's, well, I mean, look at Brady. Look at Tom Brady, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy is like, my understanding is he's religious about mm-hmm. his routines and his nutrition stuff. And look at the age. He's playing football. Yeah. At, was he 44, 45? Mm-hmm. He's playing football. Like the fact that his brain's still functioning after that many years in that league is, is a miracle. Never mind yeah. still playing. Like it, it's going to change. I think these athletes now, because of this type of stuff mm-hmm. that you're talking about, I, I'd imagine that they're... Look perfor- at Ovech- Ovechkin still yeah. scoring goals. Their oh. performance yeah. into the later years is going to be, I would think probably better than we've seen in in like past you know previous generations of sports players for sure yeah and the fact that you can monitor these things now and make adjustments and Mm -hmm. see things before they're coming like a lot of the testing we're doing is different from your family doctor testing like it's more detailed more in depth much more uh, elaborate but you can see things that are going to happen like if we if i look at your 
you know, cortisol report and it's already tanked, like the chances of you burning out and having sleep problems you know and it's gaining coming. weight and getting sick and, you know, you're, you guys have a big kind of conference season coming. So if you're tanking, you know, that exertion of the conference is going to have a bigger impact on you recovery wise. Yeah. I think the monitoring, the personalization of stuff is big too. Like I know with you guys now, you're kind of predisposed to certain types of <laughs> things, right? Like you're more like we cause our own problems. I yeah, think a yeah, lot. Like, like extra wine in months of July and August. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you helped me figure out the wine thing too. There was a sulfites in the, the wine were kind of yeah. bothering me. Yeah. 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 It depends on the person's uh, job and their day to day routine and how much stress they have. Like all these things are dependent. The strategies have to match up you know what you've got going on currently right so so the website then you can uh, get you know someone will reach out to you from your team there and then mm-hmm. everyone from there is unique whether it's going to go down the hormone path the digestive path yeah. what angle you take to begin but eventually you're going to cover all the bases yeah like eventually you want to fix you want to optimize gut health liver hormones if you can get those three pillars going then that's a really strong foundation that's hard to mess up and within gut health we kind of touched on it earlier but knowing what foods work with your body, I think is massive. It's going to become more and more of a problem because the more stressed you are, the weaker your gut is, the more reactive you are to foods. Think about the stress levels now of people, right? Yeah, like got it. It's at an all-time high. So you're seeing people now who are like, everything I eat doesn't feel yeah. good. Or everything, and and yeah. eating and diets, are, I think I would imagine by default, they're not getting better. I think they're just getting slightly worse. So the, yeah. the chances to have that is just, is, is doubles basically yeah. for both sides. And then people don't know what to do. So they start doing extreme things like maybe like a carnivore style. They're like, I don't, I feel terrible. I don't know what else I'm to do. I'm cutting out all fruits and vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and then that, and then they fail on that because how long can you maintain that? Like, yeah. Especially in this world, you can't get the right cuts. It's hard to do do a proper carnivore diet. Yeah, and you get up in the morning, maybe it was like a longer work day or the kids were up all night, you know, and you were with them and now you're tired. You're not prepared. You don't have any of your carnivore stuff ready. And then right there, you're Mm -hmm. you're off. You're going through a Mm drive-thru, right? So I think like customizing it a bit more. I'm not saying the carnivore is bad. I just think there's not not enough data to say yeah. like this is a great and even if it was a and great situation who could keep it going for yeah. years and a broad sweeping statement that it's right for everybody we now know is incorrect as well i think so yeah i think so and we did a little bit of that before like we took 10 uh, i took 10 people in the summertime put them all on keto just to see oh you mentioned that before yeah. i forgot yeah put them all on keto at the same time same ratio and you had them going outside to make it during during lunch to make sure they get enough sun like and, and yeah. different things right yeah yeah we did like some vitamin d things like that just to see also oh, it wasn't the same as two different experiments yeah type things yeah okay. we did so we had a vitamin d monitor where you can it's an app on your phone where you can tell how much vitamin d you're getting at whatever where wherever you are located so we had them going out at like lunchtime to see and it barely changed the uh really vitamin d because you have to get like 90 percent coverage on so your body, on your skin. Yeah. So you basically so like, have to be sunbathing. You're at the beach. Yeah. So exactly, I've heard that. Right? Basically, everyone, like in our climate, like D. everyone should be supplementing vitamin D. Yeah. And the and vitamin D acts like a hormone. The more you start to look at it, it's different than everything else. It's not like a typical vitamin. It acts more like a hormone. But yeah, we did the 10 people on keto just to see. And I think it was like four people lost weight. I think it was like four people stayed the same. Two people gained weight. So like, and then there's, there's a genetic component Could that component just be the, oh, too. genetic. I was going to say, could that just I be think, too short of a study maybe? Yeah, we did it over the summer. It's like three months oh, okay. on keto. Okay. We tried to get them to 80%. Um, yeah, to get right on keto is hard. We okay. did like blood spot measuring. We did like, we tried to get them in the proper zone, but 
not everyone had the same response. So that was kind of interesting because yeah. at that point, keto was kind of like the thing. Every, everywhere. Here's yeah. if you want to change your body, here's what to do, right? But I think from a weight loss point of view, it should be more like calories as your first thing. You got to be in a deficit of some sort, however you want to do it, fasting or whatever. Protein level has to be at a certain amount. And then you have to have some weight training in there, like those three pieces to help you know bring the weight down. I think people are doing extreme stuff to try to get the weight down. Oh, and sure. easy, right? right? It's sure, like yeah. when you come to see you, I just want the pill. Like, hey, are yeah. you guys just going to give me this pill that makes 100%. me all better? Like, Look at it Tom. Makes well, me Tom's basically better. begging you for testosterone, right? So, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, no. I don't want to touch testosterone unless I can come off the thing. I'm yeah. scared. I'm sensitive to a lot of shit. So I'm like, what am I going to, am I going to go on this thing? And then like, will it come off? I'm interested to, to see the results. Yeah, me too. I'm hoping too. right now I still don't, like my testosterone levels are in the right range, but I'm curious. At this age too, you would think it's starting to tail off, no? Yeah, it would be tailing off, but you guys do so much weight training, which would keep it sort of in the realm. Um, and you manage your stress pretty well. I think you guys have good lifestyle stuff, mm-hmm. so it's probably better than average, but we're seeing testosterone come down like age 30 and under now. Well, look it's my shit, really? Yeah, oh yeah. Mine's on yeah. the, I know mine's on the lower. I know it surprises mm-hmm. anyone that really knows me and the way I act. They're like, what are you talking about? How can it be? But mine's on the low, oh, shit. The low end of the, 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 it's uh, still within the, the acceptable <laughs> range, but it's on the low end. How's right? Nick going to be if he's at a I regular know. testosterone? Oh, we're going to fix Holy this. I'm telling shit. you. <laughs> I will do whatever it takes. You're you ripping just, the doors uh, off. You're going to listen to this podcast. There'll be tables smashing yeah, yeah. in the background. <laughs> you just let me know. We can go, I can go up five times and just be on the high end of the, of the okay zone. So yeah, we got to. I'm, I'm with you. Whatever we need to do, I'm okay. your client for life. We're getting this okay. thing fixed. We're Dr. Cowan, thanks for this. So the URL, Phenom HPM, it stands for High Performance Medicine. Yep. PhenomHPM.com. On Instagram, are you still on Instagram? Yeah, so at PhenomHPM is our, uh, yeah, and then I have my own personal one, which is PhenomDoc. PhenomDoc. Yeah. So on Instagram, PhenomDoc is yeah. Dr. Cowan. Yeah. And we'll put all links to all of these things in the show notes yeah. of this episode. Anything else that you wanted to share? Uh, you can also do a free discovery call. If you're just unsure, can is this right for me? Can you guys help me? This is what's going on. We do free discovery calls too, where we can just like, what you'll talk to one of our doctors on our team. And that you can get off the website yeah, as well. Yeah, website you can book it and then they'll just kind of walk you through. Here's what's going on. Here's what we... Th- think we can help you with and just a uh, quick like and listen I, I want to thank your team because they do you you've been doing the classes but now your team is doing the mm-hmm. classes here for rockstar members yeah. um on uh, there's a, a male hormone cl- class a female hormone class and thank you for doing yeah. that to share that information yeah, you're welcome you know we're kind of all about the lifestyle it's not just yeah. like about real estate it's like how do you really want to live and this is an important part to it so thank you for you to you and your team yeah, for no, doing that for everybody here no you're welcome yeah and i find a lot of people too like working so hard and getting getting your finances right but then not having the health to kind of enjoy that yeah, what's maybe the point? You, you created freedom but maybe you don't feel good to really enjoy that right so we see a lot of that with our like executive clients especially right thanks yeah. we'll have you back soon love yeah. these chats thank you thank you no thanks Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Dr. Cowan. You can find him on Instagram at phenom underscore doc or the uh, clinic's Instagram handle is phenom HPM, which stands for phenom high performance medicine. So it's phenom HPM on Instagram. The website is phenomhpm.com. That's phenom, P-H-E-N-O-M, H-P-M.com. Thanks for listening to this show and listen, if you're going to get into the real estate market and you want to understand what is driving some of the demand, check out the latest population explosion report that we've recently updated for 2022. You can find that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's it. Until next time, your life 
your terms. <laughs>